1: Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We're also on Dash Radio every single weeknight at 7 p.m. Yes, that continues this season. Also, check out the Five Reasons YouTube channel for your heat coverage pre- and post-game, where they're going to be there every single night. Also, Clutch Corner, Feel the Heat. Uh, What else do we do there? Full Court Press and just about everything on the YouTube channel, plus the latest videos from Heat Games. If you want to hear from Heat players, coaches, etc., that's where you go. Go to the YouTube channel. If you want the latest articles from Brady Hawk and others, free, no paywall, go to fivereasonsports.com. Make sure you spell that one out. Also, new article up right now from Louis Sung about what the real problem is with the Dolphins this year. I agree with him on this one. And we're not going to talk about them the entire rest of the program. Sorry to our guests today. We're not going to discuss uh, Eagles, Dolphins, or anything like that. Also, check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. If you watched that Dolphin game this morning at 930, I hope you had a couple of these. Biscayne Bay Brewing, the only independent brewery in South Florida. They're building a tap house right here in Miami. Haven't talked about it much lately. It was kind of waiting for it to develop should be up and ready here in the next couple of months. We're going to start doing a bunch of events there. Check out the pastime Pilsner, the Tropical Bay IPA, the Marlins Lager, the Miami Pale Ale. Ask for it by name when you're at restaurants in South Florida. Odds are they probably have it. They also have it at your many convenience stores and grocery stores in the area. The official beer of the Miami Marlins and also a five reason sports, Biscayne Bay Brewing. And now, tonight's episode.
3: Yikes. on uh, the floor ride for my dogs where here's the thing you can check the score hustle hard couple scars rain bubble frogs just like what say You
2: in trouble y'all kept the flow plan got an all day y'all seen the block stop the one hand and Pat we trust it's probably have the guts we're here to bring the
3: heat y'all can hang it up
2: Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network.
1: All right, Ethan Skolnick back on Five on the Floor. Here's tonight's floor plan I'm going to give you a little bit of a basketball fix. We've got Alex Toledo. You can follow him at Tropical Blanket. You can follow Greg Sylvander at Greg Sylvander. And you can follow our guest everywhere he goes pretty much because he's all over the place these days. He's at basketball news. Also, he hosts the Dunker Spot pod with Steve Jones Jr. You can check him out at Nakias NBA. Frequent guest here of the podcast and probably our hardest guest to get these days. So we appreciate Greg <laughs> continuing to have her Nikias. Every few days, he texts me. Should I text Nikias? Yeah, okay. Try it, try it again. See see how it works. Uh, and, and we pulled it off for a Sunday night in prime time. So we feel... We feel very proud and honored that he's joined us tonight and we are going to do our full blown Miami heat preview with him. Okay. We're not talking about the rest of the league. Nothing. We are. You can get that on the dunker spot and you should here. We're just going to talk heat. We're going to put him back in his element and we're going to start here uh, right now with this. And I know Greg has, has a bunch of questions that we've kind of laid out for you here. Um, Well, we'll start here before we do it. How the hell are you doing? By the way, like you're (laughs) you're all over the place.
2: (laughs) Um, life has been life. And I will say as much as I love covering the league at large, like I still have that affinity for the heat. So I'm glad that I'm in a place where I can kind of focus on that for a little bit. So glad to be here. Glad to be here with y'all. Hope y'all are doing well. Uh, yeah, this has been, it's just been a whirlwind between preseason and summer league and the WNBA finals just ended. I was doing some coverage there. So like, it's just been a lot. So now I'm gearing up for the regular season.
1: All right. And then WNBA finals were worth a watch, by the way, if anybody got a chance to uh, for sure this season. All right. So let's go here. Heat preseason is over. um, And we're obviously looking forward to the game on Thursday night against Milwaukee. The heat have a really tough start to the season, which Greg and I got into their first 10 games. Looks to me like there could be eight playoff teams in there that, that the heat will be facing. Give me your general assessment of the preseason. What did you want to see? And what did you actually see?
2: Um, heading into the preseason, what I wanted to see was how Kyle Lowry would kind of ingratiate himself into the offense. I wanted to see what that fit was like. Because on paper, it makes sense. You have a pull-up shooter, a guy that can play, make a guy that can defend at the point of attack. I wanted to see what his impact would be on both sides of the ball. And we saw it pretty early in the preseason. Like, he's pushing the ball after misses. He's pushing the ball after makes. The hitter heads are there. Um, And picking roles. Like, he's finding Bam on the pocket passes. He's making corner skips to P.J. Tucker. Like, he's just – He's operating at, I want to say a different plane, but like definitely a plane that the Heat aren't used to in that specific setting. And that makes life a little bit easier on Bam. That takes some of the ball handling pressure off of Jimmy Butler. And on defense, we just saw the Heat were one of the switchiest teams in the league last year. Um, with Kyle Lowry at the point of attack, they can afford to drop Bam some defensively. So that takes a little bit of pressure off of everyone since Kyle can fight over better than Goran Dragon or Kendrick Nunn or, you know, the plethora of guards they had at the point of attack last year. So just his impact, it was there already, which excites me heading into the regular season because he's making that kind of immediate impact while wow, they're still trying to learn each other. Then once they gel, assuming they stay healthy, like this Heat team can be pretty darn good.
3: Yeah, I'm totally with you on like how night and day it was watching Lowry operate like it was jarring to me when I've been watching this team slug it out for the yeah. last couple of years. And then all of a sudden he's on the court and literally it's like uh, like a switch flipped. It, it was it was pretty remarkable to see. And I'm sure you anticipated that in ways that I didn't conceptualize. So you actually see it on the floor. um. I'll actually go in this direction uh, cause I, I want to save a, a more uh, fiery hot topic for a little later, but I'm interested now that we get into Lowry and you're talking about what he brings and what he does for bam. Um, like, what do you think the ceiling is for this team? Like, sh- let, let, let's, let's get to the, to the good stuff. Like um, where do you see this team going this year? You know, from what we've seen in preseason, what Kyle brings, uh, like, you know, what's your expectations in that regard?
2: Um I would say a a top 4 finish is definitely in the cards. And from there it's a matchup game. Like I think this is if things break right, this is an Eastern Conference Finals team. Um so I would probably say anything you have to account for injuries obviously, but like assuming reasonable health, I think anything outside of a strong fight in the second round is a disappointment for this team.
3: Yeah, I think we're all aligned there, right? Like that's kind of been where we've tracked. Like if they uh, and I, I've maybe even leaned in a bit further and felt like, gosh, like this is the team they built around Jimmy. Like this feels like as close, they're maybe a piece away from a final build. So, mm-hmm. so they're getting there. Um, I mean, a- Alex, if they, if they get to a game seven in the second round, are you happy or do they got to get to the conference finals?
4: I mean, I guess if you're just going to give me that baseline right now, like I wouldn't be so mad at the team, right? Game sevens are fun. If you're losing to the Bucks or the Nets, it's ultimately understandable. Nobody is even grouping the Heat anywhere near that. For the most part, I keep seeing more and more uh, of them getting grouped with some of the lower Eastern Conference teams. And I'm trying to hold back and be the objective journalist that I'm supposed to be, Uh, you know, which is never really true. But honestly, uh, like, I think they're going to be a lot better than 43 wins, right? And I think that seems like what a lot of people outside of Miami think they're going to be, right? More or less in that level, like a team that could get frisky, quote, unquote, in the playoffs. You don't want to play them et cetera, et cetera. But I'm, I'm looking at what's going on with, you know, the the, the factors outside of basketball that, uh, you know, Simmons with the Sixers, Kyrie with the Nets. Some of these teams are a little bit more unpredictable right now. And a lot of the stuff that I think Heat fans have wanted to see with some of the concerns on the roster, like you uh, talked about Lowry and uh, and his fit uh, integrating him. Then you talk about some of the younger guys like Tyler and Shrew stepping up and really uh, – solidifying their spot in the rotation and their, you know, respective roles. I think everything has kind of gone their way for the most part, other than wanting to see a little bit more of Jimmy with these guys. Uh, has this changed how you feel at all about this team? I know you said, like, they have, like, an Eastern Conference Finals ceiling if everything breaks right, but has what's going on, like, with NBA and what's going on with the Heat changed your your outlook of the team at all?
2: Uh. Not based on preseason's play. I would say I feel a little bit better about the offense. I haven't watched preseason. You have to take it with a grain of salt. But um just pulling up the stats real quick, the Heat were 15th in pace during preseason, which preseason ball is always a lot faster. But if they're not 28th, 29th, and they're yeah. in the, you know, the 18 to 20 range somewhere in there. Like I, I said they
3: finished twelfth. I'm going to keep plugging that all season. <laughs>
2: if they, <laughs> if they finish 12, good Lord. But like, honestly, if they're in that 18 to 20 range for me, then I know that Kyle definitely has his fingerprints on this team. And maybe even more than that, we're seeing more grab and go from bam. Cause like, I just don't think Jimmy's a push guy. He can be, but he's just not that uh, he's more play finish in transition. So, I think if those two are driving the pace to that degree to where instead of 18th, they are in 12th, 13th, 14th, then we're looking at maybe a top 10 offense if they're dictating it to that degree. And if the offense is good, like I have, I don't have many doubts about the defense this year.
1: Let me ask you about a couple of things related to that specifically um, because I, I, and let's start on, on the offensive side, because I'm with you. I think defensively the issues that they've had in the past have been, and we've, we've talked about this a lot, you know, you, you can have, one or two defenders you can cover for, but at times the past couple of seasons, they've had to cover for three. Sometimes they've had to cover for four. That's not going to happen this year. They're never going to have more than one or two subpar defenders. But offensively, what, what, what you just said is interesting to me because I do think they're going to try to push pace some. But the guy they've played through the most the past couple of years, obviously, Bam has had a very, you know, a large role, but it's been Jimmy. And we know that Jimmy is going to want to slow it down. Uh, He's going to want to read plays. He's going to want to try to get to the line and all of that. And and so I I do feel like some of this talk about pace in the the preseason has kind of forgotten the fact that Jimmy hasn't been out there all that much, right? Like, isn't it counter to what he wants to do and what he's going to want to do as he gets older here?
2: I think it is going to be counter to what he does. I'd say the counter to that. You bring if you're bringing Kyle Lowry into the fray, you're kind of assuming that Jimmy's going to be, at least he's going to be initiating the offense less. And so he'll have less of an effect on the overall pace. Again, it'll probably be, you know, Graham, Bam grabs a board, pushes it, or Kyle Lowry gets a quick outlet, he'll push it. If nothing's there, then they'll run their initial action. And if the counter isn't there, then the ball finds its way to Jimmy, and Jimmy can to kind of grind it out. So I think if you can minimize the possessions in which Jimmy has to say, okay, there's seven on the clock, let me get to the free throw line then I think the offense is humming a little bit better. And so Jimmy won't have to, like, he won't be the one pushing the pace, if that makes sense. Like he's going to be play finisher either way. And once you get to the late fourth quarter, it's not going to be a track meet anyway. That's when it's going to be a grinded out affair. And that's maybe where you see is that of Kyle bringing it up. Now it's Jimmy bringing it up. They're running some kind of inverted ball screen or whatever. And he's kind of dictating flow from that the first 40 minutes of the game. I think that's going to be more of Kyle and bam, kind of pushing things and trying to get something early
1: let me throw a couple more premises at you and then I'll let these guys jump in on it. Uh, one other, one, the major premises related to this team. And even when I've talked to people inside the heat is that they kind of know what they're going to get from Jimmy and Kyle, right? I mean, we know they're finished products. I mean, their, their games are not going to change that much at this point. But that the upside of this team will ultimately be dictated, and I know Victor is out there. And after the break, we'll talk about that a little bit. But for right now, with what they have, the upside of this team will be sort of does Bam take that next aggressive step to superstar level, and the Tyler Hero thing, which has gone better than anybody could have imagined this year. So I'll throw a couple premises at. First, thing, do you agree with that premise that 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 is essentially what dictates the upside minus Victor, and then secondarily. Is my premise that Tyler Hero is going to lead the Heat in scoring, which I threw out here about four weeks ago, and now others are jumping on, is that nuts?
2: Okay, for the first one, yes, I do think this season, because this is the Heat have guys, I would say this is very much a top seven group, and then you're hoping to get more from your eighth and ninth guys. So I don't think, if you're comparing them to a team like the Hawks that go like two deep at every position, three deep at some, like they're not the deepest team in the East, but the top of their rotation can kind of, punch with anyone so if you get a leap from bam and you get a beat and you get a leap from tyler hero that that puts them closer to the bucks Nets tier I, I still don't think i would put them in that tier but at the very least that you know cliches it is that's the team that neither one of those teams want to face in a playoff series especially if either one of those guys make a leap um as far as hero leading the team and scoring like i can't get there i think if hero lead If Hero leads the heat in scoring, then I'm asking questions about one of Jimmy or Bam at that point. It's either Bam didn't take a leap, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of aggression, or Jimmy missed a bunch of games. And if Jimmy missed a bunch of games, on top of kind of taking more of a backseat... guys,
1: why would Jimmy have to miss a bunch of games? I I understand the Bam part of it. I I think we all agree that if Bam... A- averages 23 this year, it's very good for the Heat because it means that he took all the criticism in the offseason to heart and became the aggressive player they wanted him to be.
4: Mm-hmm. But for
1: Jimmy, like, I feel like Jimmy's scoring could decline on an average basis. And and honestly, it really wouldn't hurt Miami, right? Or I, I mean, I understand the missed games, but I'm talking about mm-hmm. the scoring within the games.
2: I guess for me, like, I'm already anticipating him taking a little bit of a step back in terms of scoring just because Kyle's going to be running more of the offense. So if it gets to the point to where he's taking the step back and Tyler Hero passes him in scoring, then I think there's something wrong there, at least this year.
3: So um how do you think uh Sekou is gonna fit next to Tyler Hero? No, 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 I'm joking. Um so, uh I, I wanna stick with Tyler Hero for a second. We're not we're not moving too quickly because I also um I, just uh, everybody in their uh, like in their mental parking lot, we need to touch on Duncan Robinson and what his ascension can mean because I think that that's a key part of this. But let's stay with Hero for now. Uh, he's been the most impressive player in preseason. I don't think anybody can really deny that. Um, I know that you uh, have been hot and cold on Hero at times and, um, and you've came around on him at least to a, to a large degree last season or, excuse me, during the bubble run what have you seen from him that you think um, particularly separates him um, or like the, the things from him that actually will translate to separate him from kind of the tier that he's been in and, 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 and elevate him? Like what what's the single thing you've watched in preseason that would impact that most?
2: Uh, well, first, like the hero thing is funny because like I famously did not like the pick and then he was pretty good in his rookie year. I was like, okay, well, I get it, sure. And then the second year happens, and he's dealing with a new role. He gets hurt. Guys around him get hurt. as the COVID thing, and then everyone's out on Hero. I'm just like, why am I the person defending Tyler Hero now? Like, how am I no longer the lowest person? But anyway, (laughs) uh, I think what stood out to me the most, like, he's just – he is stronger. And that's a basic thing, but, like, for a guy like him who – during that up and down second season, like he did get to the rim more. He did finish better at the rim for him to add strength. Now that makes it easier for him to get downhill. Um, you've seen with some of the and ones that um, during the preseason, when he gets in that in-between area, being able to stop on a dime, get to his floater, get bumped and not get knocked off his spot and still be able to finish through contact. Like that stuff's going to help him. Cause he already has the craft. He already has the shooting touch. So if he's able to get to his spots more effectively and maintain his spots, because guys can't knock him off now. Like that just makes him a more dangerous score. And the heat's issue last season was half court creation. So like if Tyler hero can shoulder more of that load, that's a good sign for them.
4: Okay. Speaking of Tyler hero shouldering that load, I know it's only a few preseason games. He's done it in different roles. Uh, again, preseason basketball is, is what it is. He's kind of almost averaging a point per minute in the preseason. At, at least last time I saw it, I believe, uh, I think a lot of the questions on this roster, and we've already kind of uh, mentioned a lot of them here while, while talking through this team, is on offense, right? People really doubt, and Ethan mentioned this as well, you know, just how, how much offensive creation they have. Uh, do they have the right amount of spacing, even though they added a guy who, you know, has great percentages on high volume from three and creates a lot of open threes for people along with all the easy baskets, right? Along with the transition attack, along with the defense. So that's why I think I've been a little bit higher, uh, on the Heat's offensive potential, right? I think it has a lot to do with also what type of lineups they're going to play, specifically in the playoffs. Like, I don't know how much of Jimmy at the four we're going to see during the regular season. Probably is going to depend a lot on who's going to be in and out on a nightly basis, but I think Spo would rather go to Omer before going to Jimmy at the four in the regular season and then just kind of bring it out as his lucky charm in the playoffs when they inevitably have some offensive struggles versus, like, let's say if they play the Bucks. You know, they might have some offensive struggles that they're going to play PJ uh, a, a lot of minutes, and they, like they probably will play Marquette right. Morris a lot of minutes, right? So if, if that's not working out on that end, they're they're going a little bit smaller. Is that type of versatility that they I feel like they have on offense now? Not to mention defense, that's what makes me a little bit higher on this team. Am I am I overstating uh, the potential on offense and because? Uh, I'm trying to be objective about them, right? Because we already mm-hmm. know their defense is going to be elite. And the, the questions have really been on offense. So I've tried to go through all the different scenarios. And I feel better after having watched these games about them being able to produce points at a much higher rate than they did last year.
2: Um, I don't think you're overstating it. Like, I do think what you're saying is more of the high end, which they can hit. Um, I do think I want to see them in the half court against elite teams. Because I can kind of conceptualize how it works. Like, if it's Lowry-Bam pick and roll, if it's Lowry-Jimmy pick and roll, if it's Jimmy-Kyle pick and roll, if it's Bam-Kyle pick and roll, if it's Duncan and Bam Like, they have options in the half court. I just need to see, like, one, who's going to be the fifth, or how are they going to fit, what is going to be the closing lineup? Because as you said, I don't know how much Spo wants to go Jimmy at the four. And so if you're not going Jimmy at the four, then – I mean, you're going to have Kyle on the floor. You're going to have Bam on the floor. Jimmy's going to be on the floor. Then I guess you can't have Tyler and Duncan on the floor together if you're assuming that Jimmy's not at the floor. So I just need to know who that is. If it is P.J. Tucker, then that gives defenses a natural point to help off of because he's going to be stationed in either of the corners and he's not going to offer any kind of movement or closeout attacking. So that makes it a little bit easier from that perspective. Um, I think I just need to I just need to see more from the offense because like the offense was good in the preseason. Um, they were eighth, well, I think eighth in offensive rating. They were middle of the pack in terms of half court offense in the preseason. Uh, quick shout out to cleaning the glass. I did not know that they tracked half court scoring efficiency for the preseason. Just an incredible sight. But I just, I think the offense is going to be pretty good. Like, I don't think it's going to be an elite offense. You don't sound sold.
4: Oh, but that's where I'm at. I don't I don't think they're going to be elite either. I'm. I'm thinking like, Anywhere between nine and twelve, type I think is where where I'm kind of projecting them right now.
2: Nine to twelve, like I'm probably closer to
4: I'm probably closer to fifteen. Oh, okay, okay. Let's dive I, into I, that. We we'll just
1: if, if they're nine, to dive 12, into that. If they're nine to twelve, they're winning fifty five games. I mean, I right. I mean,
2: <laughs> it, yeah. I mean,
1: Because the defense is going to be, you know, sort of what it is. I, I want to carry the thought though, to after the break, because you mentioned something that I think is one of the key questions with this team. And I want to get your view on it. Uh, But before we do, we're in a t-shirt prizepicks.com. go to prizepicks.com, use the code five. We've got the NBA starting soon. Plus this is, I said, I wasn't going to mention this again. The only reason to watch a dolphin game the rest of the year is if you want to play prize picks on it, right? So if you want to go over or under on Tua, that's pretty much all that's left. So go to PrizePicks.com, use the code five F I V E. You can play the power play. You can play the flex play. I won on the power play today, went over on Tua and Lawrence and tripled my money from what I put in there. So deposit 20 bucks, just give it a shot. Uh, PrizePicks.com. And again, you can play the MLB uh, playoffs as they head towards the World Series. Do play MLS, PGA, anything, NHL on PrizePicks.com, the official daily fantasy sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. And again, make sure you're using that code, F I V E, for five. You mentioned something I think is going to be a question uh, as we go forward, because I don't think that Spoh is going to take PJ Tucker off the floor at the end of games. And I'm, we're going to transition to the defense here soon, but offensively, if it's Tucker, if it's Bam, if it's, uh, if it's Lowry, which is going to be, if it's Butler, that does leave that fifth spot. What makes them a better offense at the end of games? Is it Tyler hero who we've seen Spolstra has played for 12 minutes at times during the, during, you know, even times he was struggling, even when he was struggling badly, defensively played him for the full 12 minutes Or is it a guy, and I asked him, you know, at media day, do you want to be a closer this year? And he said, yes. Is it Duncan Robinson who is the best spacer on the team? What helps them more, not on the defensive end, what helps them more offensively?
2: Oh, what helps them more offensively? And, like, we can talk a little bit about Duncan right now because, like, he looked more comfortable with the ball in his hands. And so – If you do believe, and shout out to Brady Hawk, who's been hammering Duncan adding the one dribble and two dribble pull-up for basically a year now, if you feel comfortable about Duncan being able to get to that consistently, and he did explore him running more pick and rolls as opposed to just the handoff stuff last year, then I think Duncan would be your answer just because he does add a movement element that Tyler just doesn't replicate. Um. And he's a better shooter. So if you're believing you know, Kyle Lowry's going to add to your pull-up shooting and the playmaking, Jimmy's going to have the ball in his hands a ton, and Bam's going to be play finishing for you, then what you need is someone that can kind of space you out and kind of stress defenses east-west. And I think Duncan can do that a little bit better than Tyler can.
1: How is that going to go over, though? <laughs> Let's say Tyler Hero is playing at a level in the regular season that he's playing – in the preseason. Right. And the three level scoring is there. The efficiency gets better from three. He's got the mid range. Now he feels comfortable with the floater. Like you mentioned, he's gotten stronger. Mm-hmm. Eric's not going to, I mean, he's played them all 12 minutes of, of games. When, when Tyler was going through like a month where it was like, he was almost unplayable for certain stretches and, and Spolstra mm-hmm. still used him in that point. So is it Tyler? gonna I feel like Duncan is the guy who's going to get squeezed here.
2: I could see, honestly, if Tyler is it, I don't think Tyler's going to average like 22 like he was during the free season. But like if Tyler has making an offensive leap, then like sp- like someone is going to be uncomfortable. It's either Duncan being squeezed or Aaron's going to have to be like, okay, Jimmy, please play the four to close <laughs> out games so we can have both of these Good dudes point. on the court. Like it, ha- it has to be one or the other, I feel like. Like I think... Again, if you're just shifting more of the on ball responsibility to Kyle Lowry now, like I could see there's less of a need for Tyler's creation. And I think that Duncan could fill a skill set that Tyler doesn't just in terms of the way that he moves off ball and the way that he draws two to the ball. Cause like even Tyler now operating ball, like he's not a draw two to the ball guy. He's very much, if you're playing drop against him, he can put a guy on his hip, get to his floater, get to his pull up, get to a step back, whenever, but he's not drawing extra attention. With Duncan, if he's flying off a, pin, off a pin down or something, like two guys are going to the ball and there's the quick dump off the bam, and now it's a four on three or something like that. So I think Spo would probably utilize that at least early on. Like Tyler would have to be thoroughly outplaying Duncan in the early going of the season for that, to, for that adjustment to be made, I think.
1: I mean, they could go some offense defense too. He's done that. I mean, he did yeah. that with Iguadala and Duncan, right? So I guess. The great he could roster to do that
4: with. that with, by the way. Right. Yeah.
1: I, right. I mean, I, I think that that's that's a possibility here. All right. I want to let these guys get in any other offensive questions here. And then I, we're going to pivot here to the defense. So many offensive bit, questions. Right? OK, yeah. we'll throw one throw one at him. Throw one no, more I, didn't
4: even, I didn't even mean just for the guys. I just meant in general. Like I feel like that's kind of the theme <laughs> for this whole team. Right. When, we, when we're kind of projecting them and that's where the differences in opinions lie. And, and that's where we all kind of differ. I feel like when it comes to that, even if it's even if it's not by a lot. My last thing here is the upside with the team, I feel like we all agree, is kind of within, bam, hopping onto another level. And even if it's not a huge leap, same thing with Tyler going from a level he was last last season to a higher level this season. How much likelier do you think those two things are bound to happen? One, that's my first question. Second question, what had the heat on offense not checked off? If you're talking about from what you wanted to see uh, on the offensive end that you would like to see i know it's a lot i'm sorry i just we, we're going to transition from offense so i wanted to get it all in one. Oh no no i got you i got you um
2: i would say like i believe there's a leap coming with tyler like he just looks like a different dude and when he already when you already have that kind of foundation of shooting touch and footwork and craft i think just the physical and the mental catching up like that's just going to make him a better player. So I, I firmly believe we're going to see a more efficient Tyler Hero this year. Nakaya said it is <laughs> going to happen. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> man, um, I can't wait for this clip to be played back later in the year. But um, as far as Bam, like I think he's going to take another step as well. It's been a little iffy for me, like that Boston game, again, it's preseason. So you take it with grains of salt. But their Boston game annoyed me watching because I'm just like, okay, Romeo Langford's guarding you now. Grant Williams is guarding you now. Jabari Parker's guarding you now. Why are you looking for outlets? Why are you taking, you know, fadeaways from eight feet out? Even if you make them, like, I want to see a mentality shift there. Like, Romeo Langford's a good he's defender. Past, Romeo Langford is also 6'4". So, like, put him underneath the basket. Grant Williams is a good defender. He's 6'6". Six, six. Put him underneath the basket. So, like, I would want to see more of that but overall, I do think Bam is going to be better. He's also going to have an easier job on offense. so I don't think he's going to have to carry as much of a load. Like, I think if nothing else, he's going to be better on offense just because he won't be tasked with covering for literally everyone on defense like he did last year. He should have more energy. So I do think both of those guys are going to get better. As far as something that I didn't see, I mean, we just didn't see Jimmy. So I would just like, I want to know like how all three of those guys are going to work and just kind of the push and pull with pace. Um, I think that's really it. Cause I mean, going back to the Boston game, like Jimmy was able to get to the free throw line basically whenever he wanted. So I had a little bit of a question about like what that was going to look like this year with the rule changes and stuff. But like, that's, I worry less about that now. So I honestly, I think that's kind of it. All
1: right. Well, that's a good place for us to break. We're going to get to the defense next. Uh, We're going to talk a little bench. And a little Oladipo here when the Caius. before we do I want to tell you about another great sponsor, the five reasons sports network. Does your company need it? Are you friends with the boss? Do you want to make better friends with the boss? Tell them about CPT of South Florida. They've been providing small and medium businesses with the technology they need for decades. They specialize in cloud hosts and phone systems and managed IT. If you own a smaller, medium business or looking to save money on your monthly phone and internet costs, you got to give TJ a call right now based right here in South Florida, helping South Florida businesses save thousands per month. Can do the same for you with a cloud phone system. You can work from anywhere on any device, and they've got a great promotion now. 25% off cloud phone service, including free phones and the first two months of service free. Just got to mention five reasons. So deal with an owner, not... This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. For no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H E L slash Miami
0: Heat.
2: Every time.
0: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
1: sales rep, give TJ a call at CPT. That's 954-966-2766. 954-966-2766. Or the website at cpt Florida. Dot com. We wanted to deep dive a little bit more into the offense. And that's why we spent some more time on it. We're going to go a little bit quicker here as we go forward um, on the defense. I, I think there is consensus, Nikias, that, you know, provided that the key guys stay healthy, particularly four of the five in the starting lineup, that this is going to be a very, very good defense. So I'm going to twist it on you. Okay. Okay. What would make them not meet those expectations Get, other than an injury? Is there, is there anything you could see, whether it's, maybe a scheme that Spolster throws them into maybe that doesn't quite fit square peg, ground hole type stuff, which has happened at times over the course of the past 12 years until he sort of figures it out um, or, or anything else that would make them not what we, I think all anticipate they're going to be, which is a top five defense in the NBA.
2: Um, I would say in terms of the shot profile, this is a heat team that gave up a large percentage of threes and a large percentage of corner threes. So if, they just have bad luck there because those are pretty pretty fruitful shots, then we could see a lot of good process. The defense finishes like 10th or 11th, just because teams bomb away from three for the year. And that's just kind of one of those things that fluctuates year to year. Um, as far as like the actual on-court product, I think, again, Ty, uh, Kyle Lowry is an easy upgrade to point of attack over Goran Dragic, over Kendrick Nunn um that doesn't mean Kyle Lowry is an elite point of attack defender because he's not at this stage of his career he's a good one and with him being what 35 now if there is more of a slip laterally for him then maybe the defense is the top five maybe it's eighth which is still really good but if he if he can't stay attached over screens at a high level then that is still even if you're playing more drop that's going to put more strain on bam to kind of play that two on one that's going to you're going to force Jimmy to help a little bit more than they are going to have more guys rotating over. And again, this is a heat team that gave up a lot of threes last year. So that's probably the pathway to the defense underperforming. Um, With that said, like, I'm still pretty confident in this group. Like I don't foresee that being an issue, but that would be how it would happen.
3: So essentially you're saying like a bunch of, of course, corner threes that go in um, is what, what can break the back of this team. Yeah. That won't happen, no. Um, <laughs> so, uh, it's interesting you talk about um getting through the regular season, like so- something that we talked about. Like Ethan alluded to us getting into the bench, and something we've gone back and forth on is like, do they have the depth to make it through a regular season? They're they're kind of like a team that everybody, I think, um immediately says oh that's a playoff group like you look at the roster and it's just built for the playoffs but they got a marathon of a season to get through I personally think like they're gonna have to rely on the young legs of some of these guys that are unproven whether it's Gabe Vincent, and Max Struess, uh what have you seen from the bench that you like what have you seen from the bench that you don't like um but particularly because it looked like Spolster in the dress rehearsal against Boston he really trimmed it down to nine and uh and that ninth, that ninth guy was really Max, Max Strus, And 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 Gabe got sparing minutes. So I, I'm interested in particularly in the four guys being Tyler Hero, Dwayne Deadman, uh, Markeith Morris, and Max Struess. Like, what do you think about that group as your bench
2: unit? Um, I wish they had another guy, would be my early read on that. Like, I think Max Struess is ready to contribute. I'll say that. Like, again, preseason, you take. The numbers with a grain of salt, but even if you combine the preseason and the summer league stretch from him, like not only did he shoot well from three, like did so from multiple platforms, got it off the bounce, came off screens, got it in transition. Like he can just flat out shoot. And so as long as he can hold his own defensively, like if he can get to the dunking range of, okay, they're going to pick on him, but he's not going to die out there. And I think he's at that level at least, then he should be a pretty solid rotation piece. Um, I worry about the forward room more than the wing room at this point. Like I, I mean, the easy thing to say is I wish they had the other Morris. Um, <laughs> yeah, not a, so yeah, like not a huge fan of Um, And that's exacerbated by the fact like, you know, PJ Tucker ended up playing the rest of the preseason, but like he did get hurt in the very first preseason game. Mm-hmm. And that's something I have to monitor. So if PJ does go down at some point, then it's Markeith and then who's behind Markeith at that point. So is, I don't, is
1: Omer ready to contribute in any way, do you think?
2: I would like for him to be. I, I don't think I can get there yet. Like the shot, I need to see more from the shot to see if it's real for him to be a legitimate stretch threat. Because I also don't think he's strong enough to really play five right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if he's mobile enough to handle minutes at the four alongside Bam or alongside Detman, unless the Heat are going to go with some zone, which that's not out of the wheelhouse at all. So, so I, what
1: about what about Bam? I'm gonna keep throwing these at you because I I I have some concerns about the the, the bigs also. It, can can you can, can you envision Bam Deadman minutes this season? I hope
2: I hope not. <laughs> okay, that's that's not something that I want to see. Um, I mean, we're looking at preseason trends that we want to see. One thing we didn't see did Bam take a three? I don't think he did. No. So that would have been the time to experiment with Bam taking a three a quarter or a three a half. And then maybe you could say, OK, cool, Dwayne Devin in the dunker spot, some high pick and roll with Bam or something. Or you stash Bam in the corner while you run something with Devin as the screener. But like we just haven't seen Bam really stretch it like that during the preseason. Not that he can't, but it just wasn't a look we saw. So based off of that, I don't want to see those two play together like we kind of saw, you know, going back couple of years now when they when Spo tried the bam hassan minutes together and the defense was really good and the offense was equally as bad so i don't really want to i don't want to see a worse version of that <laughs> so I, I wish the front court depth does kind of bother me a little bit
1: all right so and i know alex has got a defensive question i want to let him get in but let's while we're staying here on the bench uh real quick uh back a point guard um, I, I feel like I was feeling better about it until this preseason progressed. And now, now I have some questions too. Um, Cause I, you know, I, I liked what I saw, you know, I liked what I saw in game in the scrimmage. I liked what I saw in the first preseason game. I know that the heat believe if he could just get the shot, right. Which is what they basically signed him for originally mm-hmm. that the other stuff is there, but in your view is the other stuff there. I mean, defensively, I think it's there, right? Like it's, it's there. He's a good defender, right? Yeah. Okay. Offensively, though, I know we're pivoting back, and then we'll come back to the defense here, but offensive can he get them into offense enough and shoot well enough that you can he can be trusted to play fifteen minutes a game and and also not only that start perhaps in games that Kyle Lowry misses, which is pretty much inevitable
2: uh I just don't think teams care about him on offense right now. And I think that is problematic. Like the Olympic stretch for him was interesting to me because he did showcase, I mean, the shot was just there, but also he could run, a pick and roll, again into the paint, get two feet into the paint and then make basic reads from there. He's not making advanced reads. But that hasn't translated up into the preseason. So like, I'm worried about him getting those duties, but I would say I worry less about backup point guard just because the Heat have so many initiators now. Like you can keep, Honestly, you can keep two of Kyle, Jimmy, um, Bam, and here on the court at all times. So you don't really need a Gabe to run the offense for you if you configure the lineups correctly.
4: Okay, so I'm over here. Gonna, I'm going to try to – I feel like this is supposed to be the defense category and now it's become the bench category. So, again, I'm going to merge. I'm going to get a two-for-one. I'm going to be Kyle Lowry. I'm going to do the responsible thing, go for the two-for-one at the end of the quarter. Uh Okay, so you, you went over some of the uh, guys that I w- that I wanted to go over as far as uh, the bench. But what I want to f- hone in on here, again, is the defense. When it comes to Markeith Morris and Deadman lineups, I feel like they've been very up and down. My, the more stuff for me, uh, to summarize it, I haven't seen him just be effective as a spacer, even though I still want him to take open threes, of course. It's just concerning that... He, he's not really very good at them. And I thought the same thing when he was on the Lakers and was upset because Bam will go out to contest him so often instead of staying closer to the rim. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like I've been proven right. Like, I want to be wrong about that to be, to be clear. Cause I think he, there is some upside for him as a, just a wide open spot up shooter. He looks better as a roller, whether it's with that Deadman or not, he seems to have a uh, clear knowledge of how to, you know, operate a short roll a little bit and either get the the, the pass out to the shooter or, uh, the bucket for himself, which he's very good at, you know, doing as far as uh, initiating it himself or getting even the pass to and Right. And I think you could do some of that stuff with Bam. There's a little bit more spacing because Bam can be placed in different spots of the court. Whether you talk about the the, the front court def with Morris or and, and Max Strus and even Gabe Vincent, do you feel good about the team's defense when they're not playing some of their more elite defensive guys? Um
2: somewhat like I think it just depends on how it's going to stagger because again like I think there's a there's a realm like you have you can keep I mentioned Tyler earlier about the creation but like you can have two of Kyle Jimmy Bam on the floor at all times and depending on who's on the floor you can kind of configure lineups around those guys um to the marquee point like just for Heat fans in general like if you frame him as a mid post guy that can knock down three sometimes instead of like a spacer at the four like you probably feel better about him he's still not very good but at the very least the expectations shift a little bit if you think of it like that because that's what he is like he's a guy give it to him 17 feet out he can knock down that jumper he can bully smaller guys and if you leave him wide open he can take the shot when he wants to But he very much just kind of wants to shape the game however he wants to so if you're expecting him to be like a 38 percent shooter on like four or five attempts like that's just not him and it hasn't been um, you don't like Marquise Morris, do you guys? I, uh, I can just, just I know fact, the players around the league uh, that
3: Nakias Duncan likes and like that, like you gravitate to their games and it is not the Marquise Morris's of the league. Am I correct? Uh, I can't say he's my cup of
2: tea. Like there's, there's a role for him, but like, I, I don't know if he's who they need him to be. But I agree I mean, with Alex. Like he fair, is...
1: though. To be fair, though, I mean, again, he's a minimum contract. Like I, I, yeah. I feel like, I, I mean, this is this is where they were at, at the end. They don't want to pay the tax. Um, they they paid PJ to be a starter, which which means ultimately, you know, I I understand why we need to talk about him because he's going to get minutes, and, and they've had some old guys not that he's a real old guy, but they've had some veteran fours over the years who have just not panned out for them. Uh, I mean, guys who were better players than Markeith before they got, I remember the Otis Thorpe thing was a total disaster. Like they, they, they've missed on some guys over the years, but again, it's a minimum deal. Like I, I I, I, feel like if he's the guy that sinks the season, then then there were other problems, right? right, right. Like, and, and you are hoping for Omer to kind of at least become, I mean, at least maybe give them what Struis and Vincent did last year, right? Like that, not, not what you're expecting from Struis this year, but what you generally expect from a guy in the first year in the heat system.
4: And Caleb Martin, right, so. by the way, what's that <laughs> Caleb Martin, by the way.
1: Well, right. Okay. And and that's right. And that may mitigate this somewhat, right? Not, not that he's a big, but he gives them another rotation player, which kind of mitigates potentially, which mitigates the KZ Ockpala thing. Uh,
4: Alex has got one more and then, Okay, I didn't mean to interrupt here, but really, my I didn't get to ask the second defensive question because I felt like I was already too long-winded. seems to be a recurring issue for me. I'm trying to also make the third-year leap, and I'm struggling so far out in <laughs> Well, yeah. this wind-up
1: is not helping, so ask the guys yeah, the
4: question. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you're the Jimmy and Kyle here. Okay, the, my <laughs> question here about defense is you mentioned something earlier that caught my eye because you mentioned the how they give up a lot of corner threes on defense, right? And- that's something that's been a problem for the last two seasons and in the past as well, because of some of the stuff they uh, deploy out there. But specifically last season, there was a lot of, you know, some would say gimmicky. I, I wouldn't say that. I, I call it mad scientist spoke because I really like when he gets into it and he did it for a reason, right? The, the roster was what it was. We don't got to get into it, mm-hmm. but there's going to be, because of that, I think there's going to be just so much, so many more minutes of them playing more elite defenders. I think the Jimmy at the four stuff, like I said, even if, it's not deployed into the playoffs. It becomes more viable because of having Kyle and potentially Victor, depending on what level he's at. I just think like there's going to be a lot less of those corner threes given up when you're dropping more. I think even when they're uh, switching, because it seems like they're doing a lot more off ball switching than on ball, you know, it depends on the matchup. It just feels like they're going to be able to, they're going to be deflecting the ball, you know, a lot more than they were last season. And I think giving up corner threes a lot less than they were, uh, Again, I'm going to ask you: Am I overstating the defense, and am I over, am I understating the amount of guys that they're going to be giving minutes to? Whether it be Tyler Struess, you know, like I said before, the Demin Markeef stuff that may or may not have defensive questions about at this point.
2: Um, overstating or understating, like it's hard to say. Like I think one just kind of comes down to like what stage of Kyle we're going to see, because again, if he's able to stay attached over. Um, you know, fight over screens and stay attached to ball handlers, then you don't have to help as much because the issue with Miami last year, they switched a ton because nobody could keep the ball in front. And then even with them switching, that gave teams built in matchups to attack. And then once you attack those matchups, then you had to rotate over and scrabble anyway. And that's where the threes came from. Or you have Bam switched down to point guard, a shot may go up elsewhere. The other team gets an offensive rebound and then it's a kick out. And that, so I think by virtue of playing better defenders, there would be le- fewer gaps to attack. And if there are fewer gaps to attack, the shot quality should go down for the other team. So I don't think they're going to give up as large of a share of threes as they did last year. Um, so, like, I'm with you there, if that makes sense. The bench does get a little bit tricky because they don't really have a stopper, per se, off the bench. Like, Detman's good positionally. Markeith can bang with guys like him. Like, he can defend post-ups. Like, I don't really trust him in space like that. Struess can hold his own. Hero can hold his own. And, again, the preseason rotations mentioned earlier, like, it was nine guys. Like, it wasn't Gabe. Like, Gabe's very good at the point of attack, but what does that do for your offense? And I think – so, it's, it's going to be a little bit iffy with the bench just because there's going to have to be some mixing and matching there because, like, you're talking about – you know, you're talking about Detman. Um, you know, Devin's there, Struce is there, Marquis Morris is there. Like you would want someone there that could create for others. So like, he's going to be hero and probably Kyle playing a lot of time together if I had to guess. Um. So we'll, I'll just have to see like what that's going to look like. When,
4: when they shorten the rotation, next by the way, quick, quick follow up, I'm sorry. When they shorten the rotation in the playoffs, I forgot who said it, that someone said that they could be the best playoff defense. And I tend to agree. That they can get to that level once they're playing less of those guys that we may or may not have concerns about. Uh, do you quick quick one uh, you know quick fire here? Do you agree with that statement? Uh, how likely are they to be the best playoff defense? Because that is kind of bold when you talk about how dominant the Bucks were and have been for the last few seasons. And I just think yeah. you know like a lot has to go right, but also the, the the roster is what it is, and I think they could do a lot of different things. So do you te- do you agree with that, or you think? you know, they're closer to five than they are to one. Um, the
2: upside is there. I find it hard to take them over Milwaukee in particular. And also I just see what happens with Philly because if they do have a come to Jesus moment with Ben Simmons, oh, then man. it's going to be Matisse, I will Ben Simmons and Joel beat on the court at the same time. Like you had a certain, like that's a lot. All
1: right. Let's get to the X factor here, <laughs> right, right after the break. All right, we got, uh, we got one more segment here with the You can follow him at the NBA. Does your company go to trade shows? Do you need a trade show exhibit? Then you definitely need help, right? You got to reach out to everything, shows.com everything, trade shows.com based right here. On Las Olas, they'll handle everything for you, the logistics, the booth, the graphics, the furniture, the flooring, even some tips to get you noticed. They'll help you teach the diff- they'll help you with the difference between renting and buying and what makes the most sense for you. Again, they're based right here in Lauderdale, but they can service all 50 states. Schedule a free consultation and get a free booth rendering. They'll show you exactly how it's going to look. Just mention five reasons, and they'll do that for you. The phone number, 954-791-8882, 954-791-8882, everythingtradeshows.com. All right, let's get to the X Factor, because you just kind of mentioned it, um, You know that you're going to have to play hero with, with Lowry a lot to initiate offense. We don't really know how well Gabe is going to do that. We know someone who could give them something defensively and initiate offense if he's healthy. But the question is when is he going to be healthy and what kind of shape is he going to be in when he is healthy? Because to me, he does not look like he's in game shape or anywhere close, which is understandable under the circumstances. But I mean, I don't, I mean, he doesn't look to be in being in heat condition, which is all uh, a what are your reasonable expectations for him? Provided, nobody's a doctor nobody knows exactly how the quad's gonna respond or anything but provided that the quad is is in good condition you know from a surgical standpoint and everything else and he's built it back up what what can you expect from him
2: um reasonable expectations um when he's back in full swing like 22 minutes a night give me 10 points give me a steal give me 36 and a half percent on catch and shoot threes like if you give me that with good defense across two positions maybe three you take that like we're not going to see all-star victor oladipo i don't think but like if you could give me confident again confident catch and shooting in addition to the rim pressure the on-ball defense like that's that's a pretty big boost for the bench i think
3: wow 10 points a game you are really you know this is interesting ethan like you've touched on this um, off air too, like in all of the national guys. And, you know, it's so funny, like as we're drilling Nikias with questions, like I'm used to talking to Nikias on like, like, let's go back to heat beat or five on the floor. Like we would be having just random conversations and now we're hitting him like a national guy. Right. Cause he has <laughs> kind of like a overarching perspective on the whole league. And Ethan has mentioned this, like nationally everyone kind of like is just oh depot is not even being factored into what's happening in miami mm-hmm. um and i think that within the organization that they kind of look at him as like the the lightning rod that can take this thing from being like just, you know, uh, a scrappy team that can scrap for, you know, uh, maybe a seventh game in an Eastern conference semifinals to being a finals type team. You don't think that you think that that's completely off the table. Like you're not feeling even the Depot we saw for the two games when he was in Miami last year, (laughs) they can't get that back.
2: If they get that back, like I feel better about them being like the third in the East and it becomes a matchup thing. Like I, I am just, I'm very high on Milwaukee, just off rip. And I've already been ripped on Twitter for that, as you've seen. But like, I'm, it would take a lot for me to see Miami being in that class. But again, the matchup is kind of the matchup. Like, if you're looking at Miami, I mean, if you're looking at Brooklyn and Milwaukee, like, I think Milwaukee is still the team that Miami matches up best with. And so if you do get a boost from Victor Oladipo, I think the way the Heat would win that series is one, again, shrinking the paint again during Milwaukee and not that open shots, but also, like, the differences in the bench. Because as Milwaukee is still a deep group, but, like, they don't have a hero-type score off the bench. Like, their best version of that is Bobby Portis. So, like, if you can kind of all Grayson own. Allen, huh? I like Grayson Allen. Like, he's not that. Like, he's more a movement shooter, get it in transition. He's not creating an offense for them. So, like, I think that would be an advantage for Miami where you could say, okay, Tyler Hero can give me 17 off the bench. Victor Depot if healthy, can give you a twelve or fourteen. Max Struce can hit three threes. Like George Hill is going to set the table and knock down catch and shoot, catch and shoot jumpers. Grayson Allen is he's going to play finish. Bobby Portis can get it in the post, but like the Heat should have guys that can defend Bobby Portis, Bobby Portis post ups. If we're looking at that matchup, so that's kind of where I'm at with it. Like I still think Miami is a tier below, but like I would give them more of a puncher's chance in the series if Depot is reasonably healthy
4: okay well you know what uh, I was gonna ask something different but what you're going into there is a better question you went into the the Bucs matchup and you hinted at that take that I happen to agree with the, about the Brooklyn matchup being better even though I'm still more scared of them than the Bucs and I respect the Bucs for what they did I I think it's all real they're gonna be really hard to match up against even if they, we did take you know excuse me even if the heat Did take P.J. Tucker away from the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Let's talk about that Nets matchup for a second. I think everybody acknowledges that they got deeper, whether it's uh, Kyrie or not, because I don't know how that situation is going to be by May or whenever the Heat may or may not play the Brooklyn Nets in the playoffs. Right? So I just think on the defensive end, on the offensive end, there's nobody built better to guard the Brooklyn Nets than the Miami heat, right? And that's whether before you factor in Victor Oladipo, who I just think a baseline will will be a pretty good defender, not necessarily a very above average. It, It just depends on where he's at when he comes back and where he's at at that time. I just think he's not gonna be a negative at any point for you, right? And when you're just talking about being able to guard them, being able to get more points in transition, more easier baskets than they were last season, I think if some of the stuff that we would like to see go right on offense does go right, I think there's a lot of spots for Bam to attack here and really get maximized on offense, like we saw versus Boston, something similar where he's just a lot bigger than a lot of these dudes. And then they're bigger guys like LaMarcus uh, Aldridge, who's back, which is cool to see, and Blake Griffin, who's like 6'9", 6'10". It just seems like Bam has some advantage on these guys, even if Blake is still a good defender. It seems like there's a lot of ways to get him involved there You've got Kyle – I mean, look, between Harden, Kyrie on defense, whether he does or doesn't play, Patty Mills, it feels like they got plenty of guys that they can find offense by attacking, right, in different ways. And so I just think that Nets matchup, I would still probably – like if I had to put money down, I'm putting the Nets. But I don't know. The more I talk myself into it, Mm -hmm. I think that he can take them to six or seven uh, more than I would have liked to give him credit before. And the chances of them – Beating them, I think, are a little bit higher after having seen some of these games. Uh, where are you at with that matchup specifically?
2: Um, I think, in a general sense, how you feel about a Heat Nets matchup, I think it kind of comes down to how you feel about Bam, honestly, because I do agree with you. Like he should be the guy that has the biggest advantage among like their big three, because even with Kyrie out, like I mean, there's there's still a lot of guard talent in Brooklyn, and so the pathway to the heat beating Brooklyn would be grinding things to a halt and just kind of owning the paint, getting to the free throw line a ton. And I think Bam would have to be the guy that drives that as opposed to Jimmy, just because he would have more of a mismatch there. And I'll go back to the 40 piece that Bam had last year against Brooklyn where he's ISO against Jeff green. But even in that game, like it was a lot of pull-ups. It was a lot of tough shots. It wasn't necessarily
4: game winner. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, <laughs> he did, but like that wasn't a like a twenty three free throw attempt game for Bam. Like it was just a, it was an incredible shot making game for Bam, which testament to him he can do that. But I think you know alluding to earlier, we kind of have to see a bit of a mentality shift, and I hope we see that throughout the regular season, to where like Bam can be a seven or eight free throw attempt guy. I believe. Like I think his upside is there. So if he leans more into that physicality, like. There is a world in which we see more of what we saw against Boston during the finals run, where he's just like, okay, you just can't keep me from the rim. I'm going to dunk on you or I'm going to take free throws. And if that version of Bam shows up, then I feel better about a Heat matchup. Ultimately, I still take Brooklyn because I think they just have more shot makers than the Heat do um i mean kevin durant is freaking incredible even without kyrie irving you still have james harden who is an elite creator of offense patty mills can knock down shots for you they just can get it from everywhere you
3: taking Um, anyone else in the east anyone else other than miami
2: uh as far as
3: what like 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 you said brooklyn milwaukee so i'm i see that but like you do you have atlanta ahead boston ahead of miami Mm,
2: I don't have Boston ahead Atlanta I'm still going back and forth on honestly Uh, because again Atlanta is deeper I love Trey they just have so much young talent that can pop on that team and that's where I'm just kind of like it I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta finishes with a regular season record better regular season record at least like that's that probably happens honestly um as far as like what's the phrase title equity or whatever. Like, I think the heat still have the third best odds for me, but honestly, it depends on what day you ask me. Cause Atlanta is really freaking good.
4: Can I ask you a couple quick hitters on bam, since you wanted to go in for that? I'm sorry, Ethan. I know you <laughs> did like, please shut up already, but I'm just, I love to get your opinion on this and life is, you know, loving it right now, but look, man, it comes down to this. Uh, I'm, I just want you to summarize it real quick with, a sentence or two. Do you think Bam is the leading scorer for the Heat in the playoffs and in the regular season? How do you – are they the same answer for both? What do you think happens?
2: Um, I do not think Bam's going to lead the Heat in regular season or playoff scoring.
4: I said it was Jimmy by by a hair, but that they're all – a lot of guys are going to be around the same range.
2: Yeah, like I think – I think there could be a series in which, Bam, like Bam Lee's team is going for a series. Like I don't think he's going to be the playoff leader for them.
4: Like what happened with Boston in the bubble as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I think there's so specific again. Like for Miami to be a Brooklyn, if they get them in the second round or whatever, like they would need Bam to be the guy. So like if he he's capable of doing that, you just have to see it. Um, but just my overall confidence level, like I don't think he outpaces. I don't think he outpaces Jimmy.
1: Anything else? I'm just asking. <laughs> Nikias and Alex are going to continue this on our chat. Um, I think it's Monday, so we're gonna we're gonna get this we're gonna get this pod up for you guys. Uh, Nikias, we appreciate you taking the time. Uh, Nikias NBA is a place to follow him, of course. The Dunker Spot Pod, uh, which he does with Steve, and his work on basketball news and elsewhere. We appreciate it. Alex and I and Greg will be back this week. We're gonna have. A couple of other guests. Nate Duncan is gonna join uh during the week as well. And we're waiting on a heat guest. We probably are gonna get one heat guest prior to Thursday's opener. And of course Alex and I will be there on Thursday night. Maybe we got maybe we we'll, I think we should charge for the Dekaius Alex back and forth basketball
4: text. No? No, it's not I it. would pay for it. I I I'm, I'm not in the same class whatsoever. If all the money goes to Nikaias said in that case.
1: <laughs> all right. Follow Alex the Tropical Blanket, uh, and we appreciate you joining us tonight. Have a good night.
0: Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the 5 Regional Sports Network.